Hi, and welcome to a special series on the Iron Woman mini-episodes we're calling Train Your Mind. I'm Vanessa Forrester, and I'm here to teach you how to up-level your performance without buying that next fancy bike, training more, or even racing more. Your next level performance is closer than you think. Stick around to find out how. athletes, and welcome to the sixth and final episode of this Train Your Mind mini-series. It's week six, so as promised, I'm answering your questions. But before we dive in, I wanted to send a special congrats to all of those that completed Ironman Florida, the first North American Ironman since COVID. And a very, very, very special shout out to Chris Nikich, I hope I pronounced that right, who became the first person with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. Chris is such an amazing example of what's possible and why it's so important to continue the fight against ableism and create more opportunities for inclusivity. Congrats, Chris, and the whole team who helped get him across that finish line. It's time for an episode recap. Let's take a little walk down memory lane, shall we? In episode one, we talked about this understanding of the difference between what you do versus who you are, in that no matter what you do, you get to show up the way you want to. You get to decide who you are. That is not determined by what you do. What you do is results-oriented, while who you are is determined by what you think and what you decide. In episode two, we talked about why it's important to fail more and quit less, how you must be willing to step into that fear of failure to learn. Failing can be a data collection and nothing more if you just stop making it mean terrible things about you and your potential. This is a learned process and it takes putting yourself in those positions to possibly fail. While quitting is the habit we get into when we don't want to feel like disappointment or shame or anger. And quitting is what happens when we avoid that possible failure. In episode three, we talked about how to fail the right way. I explained the two different types of failure, productive and unproductive failure, to further solidify the importance of being willing to fail at all. Productive failure means you learn from the efforts until you succeed. And then in episode four, we switched gears entirely to talk about goals. Goal setting to goal getting. Now we're almost at that traditional goal setting season, so why not go for your goals in a new way? Side note, you don't really need a new year to set or recommit a goal. Turns out your goals don't know months of the year. Uh, and then in episode five, we talked about how belief plays into reaching your goals. Reframe your belief that it's just a thought you keep thinking over and over and over again. Just like there are high quality and low quality training sessions, there are also high quality and low quality thoughts. The quality of your thoughts determines your success. Okay, so I wanted to quickly recap the episodes just to set the stage for the questions that I received. And as I go through these questions, I really, really encourage you to ask yourself, how does this relate to me? Let's dive in. The first question relates to episode one and those 13 things mentally strong people do. The book that I referred to in episode one by Amy Marin. The listener wrote in, of those 13 things, the one 
related to the past is by far the hardest for me. I find it so hard not to dwell on the past, my past bike crash and poor race results. How do I stop thinking about those things? And you know, when I read this question, I thought, I bet 99% of us can relate. Most of us know intellectually that focusing our energy on the past isn't useful. But when it comes to putting that into practice, we find it hard to focus anywhere else. And the way I want to answer this first is with the why and then the how. So the reason why we focus on the past is because it's like a safety net for our brain. When you think about the past, your brain is reminding you of what didn't go well to make sure you don't try that again. When we refer to a comfort zone, this is exactly what we're talking about. There's comfort in the past. The past keeps us safe from taking new risks, even if those risks are in support of our goals. Even just understanding that why can make the how easier because it simplifies what's happening. It's like, oh, of course my brain is trying to keep me safe. Because the first step to how is not making it a problem. Often we overcomplicate, we worry and judge ourselves, which makes the process of changing it that much more difficult. It's not a problem that you dwell on the past. This is how your brain is currently programmed. Simplify and release the judgment. And then the second step is to retell the story of your past in a way that serves you. I mean, if you're going to go back, keep going back to the past, you might as well make it more useful for yourself. For example, you might be thinking, the bike crash really messed with me. I'm scared to ride. I'll never be the same cyclist again. Rewriting this can look like that bike crash really messed with me. I can tell I'm nervous to get back out there, but I'm willing to try. I will take more safety precautions than ever, but I'm determined to be strong again, to ride strong again. Notice the second doesn't forget the fear or try to eliminate it. It acknowledges the fear and makes it useful. Okay. The next question is a, is kind of a two-parter. So I'm going to answer it that way. The listener wrote in, what are your thoughts on always riding or training with people that are better than you? Better meaning faster, fitter, stronger, fill in the blank. I've been riding with a great group for about a year now. They've always been a bit faster than me, which I used to think was the only way to go. Want to, want to ride better? Want to get better? Ride with better people. But that theory or my thinking has definitely shifted. I ended up riding to these rides, dreading them, thinking about when I'll get dropped, how long I can hang on, why am I even going? I should just ride alone. Wowzers, this is no way to head into a ride. In my mind, it sucks even before we leave the parking lot. I know that, but how do I shift my thinking into seeing this as a good opportunity again? I know it's good. I know it can be great. I know I need to change my thinking. Can you help? And she also says, it might be worth mentioning. I do also plenty. I do. I also do plenty of solo rides, trainer rides, etc. This is my Saturday kick-ass and have fun group. I'm just not having fun anymore. I'm going to answer the first part first. So when the listener asks, what are your thoughts on always riding or training with people that are better than you? And my answer is this, there is no right way to train. Everyone responds to training differently. Some get a lot out of training with others. Others get a lot out of training solo. There is no right or wrong here. What's important is that you figure out if it's supporting your progression physically. As soon as you start to think there is a right or a wrong way is when those doubts come up as to whether you should even go start or even show up. And then she asks, but how do I shift my thinking into seeing this as a good opportunity again? I know it's good. I know it can be great. I know I need to change my thinking. And my answer to this part is 
What if shifting your thinking is simply a decision that you make over and over again? You made the decision when you first joined to be challenged, and now you're making the decision to dread it. What would it look like to decide to be challenged again? You see, we think it just happens to us, like, oh, I'm dreading this ride, I probably shouldn't go. Okay, you might get dropped, or you might not be able to hang on. So what? Is that the worst that could happen? Sounds like a fantastic challenge. So go be challenged. All right, next question. The listener asks, what should I do with negative thoughts? Those about myself and about other people. Should I just try to shut them down or should I examine them? Sometimes I want to think about the negativity and where it comes from with hope that I can learn. But then sometimes I feel like I'm overthinking and obsessing over these thoughts, beating myself up over them. You know, all of these questions have been money questions. And this one, again, so relatable, right? We're all walking around with our human brains and those human brains have negative thoughts. So what should, what should we do with them? And the short answer is we just pay attention. There is a difference between paying attention and obsessing or beating yourself up. Similar to what I mentioned earlier in the episode, it's like, oh, there's my brain being a brain again. And when you think you're not supposed to have negative thoughts, then you start to judge yourself and you get into this cycle where all you're doing is creating even more negative thoughts. I teach this practice of self-coaching where you get curious about those thoughts and then the feelings associated with those thoughts. Because you can't change anything if you're not aware of it. In that uh, reframe belief episode, I talked about the four steps to reframe belief. And the first step is to get curious about your current thoughts. And you can do that by taking pen to paper. Write down all of those negative thoughts you're having about yourself and others. Take them out of your head and onto paper. See them for what they are. Thoughts. Trying to shut them down, as a listener mentioned in the question, usually isn't successful because it's coming from judgment and force. What if you allowed them? Wrote them all down. A lot of times, just this is helpful enough. What you can learn from writing them down is exactly how each thought feels. So you can ask yourself, when you write down the thought, how does that make me feel? For example, if you were thinking, I hate training with Susie. She keeps getting better and I don't feel like I'm getting stronger. Negative thoughts create negative emotions. Thinking that thought, you might feel bitter or jealous, and then you show up from a bitter or jealous place. Seeing them written out allows you then to decide if you want to keep thinking them. Of course, you always have the choice to keep thinking in that way that makes you feel bitter or jealous, but you can always think a more high quality thought too. When it comes to the negative thoughts, allow them and take ownership of them. And then, as I said in the reframe belief episode, you get to decide what you want to think on purpose and then practice. This does not change overnight, just like we don't get stronger in swim, bike, or run overnight. Okay, this will be the final question that I answer in this episode. It relates to setting a big goal and what happens when you don't hit it. Here's the question. Sometimes I hesitate in setting big goals because in the past when I have, I've had a really good race and I still fall short of my goal. I feel like I do everything in my power for my goal, but I can't control who shows up on race day. What's the best way to handle not hitting my goal in this situation? This is always tough because having breakthroughs in training or nailing everything in training doesn't always translate to hitting your goals on the race course. I know exactly how this feels because I lived it last year. And my answer is this. 
don't ever let one or a few race results be the reason you keep your goal small. In order to reach your potential or even come close, you have to be willing to try. And as you start to take action towards a new goal, you're going to be doing new things. And as you do those new things, you have to create commitment, courage, and capability. The more capability you create for yourself, the more confidence you will end up having. And the reason we keep setting goals and we keep evolving isn't necessarily because of the end result of the goals, but because of who you'll need to become in order to get that result on the race course. The confidence you build makes it all worth it. We create resilience by setting bigger goals for ourselves, but we also get the benefit of having that resilience when unexpected circumstances come our way, like a particular competitor is at our A race or a choppy swim or rough wind or whatever all of which could add to why we don't reach our goal. Ultimately, none of that work is wasted. A goal not achieved is a productive failure, a great example of a productive failure, a slew of new information we get to use for next time. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get there. It just just means that you haven't gotten there yet. Keep going. It's all working. And then I wanted to make one additional note on goals and the I am statements I talked about in the goal setting to goal getting episode. When writing those out, write them as the future version of you who has achieved the goal. So for example, instead of I am qualifying for Kona in 2022, or I will qualify for Kona in 2022, write this instead. I am a Kona qualifier at Ironman Arizona 2022. See the difference? This puts you in that future vision. And then ask yourself, if this is as good as done, how would I show up? As in, how would I train, eat, sleep today? So that also came from another listener question. Thank you for that. All right, friends, that's it for this episode. Thank you to all those who submitted questions and thank you for listening. Keep training everyone, both your body and your mind. Until next time. You have been listening to a special series as part of the Iron Woman podcast. This episode was produced by Live Feisty Media and edited by me. Thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Zelio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Gooder Sunglasses, Orca Sportswear, Form Swim Goggles, and the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.